Hello and welcome to AI Unfiltered with me, Ian Bowie, and our resident expert, Mikael Stormbom, where we will be talking about everything to do with AI in our modern digital society and what the future holds for all of us. So today we'll be talking about AI and creativity and is AI actually going to become more creative than its human equivalent? So if you now start thinking, like, I've got two sons who are both chefs, if we, we take that forward maybe another 10, 15 years, and suddenly they haven't got a job anymore, replaced by a robot. I mean, who on earth would have ever seen a robot replacing a chef? Gordon Ramsay, I hope you're listening to this, because your time is limited, my friend. One area where the robots are not going to take over just yet in 10 years, I mean, the, the sort of aspect that needs human creativity. I mean, yes, of course, if you're preparing exactly the same dish, Day in, day out, so it becomes... Yeah, but we know, we know that these algorithms are capable of learning. So why... why yeah, but why? learning from what? Well, they, 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 they teach themselves in the end, don't they? Or they teach through observations. I mean, imagine, imagine um, an algorithm that's put into a robot, which can then basically, within, what, two days, surf the internet and absorb every single recipe, every YouTube video that Gordon Ramsay, Jamie Oliver and all these other chefs have put up there and and then mix it up for itself. So so once that algorithm has absorbed all that information, it will be able to make whatever. Yeah, but it won't be able to create anything new necessarily. Yeah, but it will because it, it'll have the ability to then think for itself, thinking, right, okay, what about a bit of... Asian fusion, or what about a bit of Jamaican mixed with German? It'll start experimenting. Uh, no, because I'm not convinced. I am not convinced. No, I, I think we'll get to that if stage. We, I honestly do. I honestly think that that these algorithms will start thinking for themselves and experimenting on their own. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't think so. I mean, it would need to be very deliberately sort of a program, the, the sort of mix and mix and match kind of aspect to it. Yeah, but it, maybe it will be. I mean, th think, you know, if, if we'd been having a conversation about technology 30 years ago, we wouldn't even be able to imagine some of the things that are possible today. So why can't we try and imagine what might be possible in 30 years' time? Yeah, well, I mean, what comes to mind is uh, not so much uh, food making, but uh, sort of music making, for yeah, example. Music, and, writing, yeah, any but, creative. No, but I, I would, because I mean, there are already algorithms that you know, you can design the sort of like the music, the the pop tune that is most likely to hit the charts, mm -hmm. kind of thing. But uh, um, I mean, that's not really creativity. That's creating rather predictable pieces of. Yeah. Music for a, to optimize. What's the uh, if it, if it's, it, it's written by a human being, or it's written by a machine. No, I no, no, certainly not. I mean, I don't care in that sense. I well, mean, I'm sure thought, that's what mu music good. executives the world over are doing, isn't it? They're only trying to predict what the next big hit will be. Very predictable. And there are many artists out there um, where basically their latest hit doesn't sound very much different from the last one. And it's the same with books. You know, publishers have become very conservative. That um, they're not very keen on taking on new unknown talent. Actually, human beings are the ones who are becoming less and less creative because they're averse to risk. 
So in actual fact, it might be that, hu- that um, sorry, machines become the creative risk takers of the future. Yeah, I'm not convinced. I think I would argue that I mean, to the extent that we are becoming predictable when it comes to creativity, I think the machines will just follow in that path. Yeah, yeah, but that, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Exactly what you said. We are becoming creative. Sorry, we're becoming predictively creative, which is an oxymoron. Because actually creativity should be about originality and something new. Yeah, new and unexpected, yes. Absolutely. That's real creativity. Just regurgitating the same old crap. That's nothing. Yeah, but uh, that's very much what I argue that the AIs will be doing. They will be regurgitating the same crap because... <laughs> I think a lot depends on the audience. If the audience is, is willing to accept the same old crap, which they seem to be willing to well, accept. Well, yes. But then having said that, they're only willing to accept it, in my opinion, because that's what they're being fed. Because that's where the money is. So you, you you take an artist and they have a hit and then they have another hit and then they have another hit. So the music executives know they're safe with that artist. Oh, let's put another one out, you know, stick their name on it. Can't be too different from the last one, though, because otherwise people won't buy it. And it's just a vicious circle, isn't it? You know, that that, that that's why, in a way, things like YouTube, Spotify, whatever... SoundCloud, that they're very, very good because it allows everybody to have a voice. Yeah, no, I mean, I think they, Spotify and SoundCloud and so forth, I mean, they're they are good in that in that sense because they it takes away the sort mm. of like the old gatekeepers. Yeah, I mean, it gives everybody a voice. Everyone has a chance. And, 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 yeah. and if you're lucky, you will find an audience without the help of one of the big publishing houses or music um, labels. Yeah, no, yeah. no, indeed. Of course, once you've got a voice, they'll pick you up immediately. Then you, know, you, see, they're, you they're, cease to be an artist oh, and you become, they're, a, they're, you become a brand. Then you become a commodity, of course. Yeah. Yes. So the point I wanted to make about the sort of predictability versus creativity, because, I mean, music and all of these so-called arts, they are very much produced by algorithms already. Yeah. So in that sense, having... If it just happens to be an AI that is executing the algorithm, I think uh, that makes no difference in that sense. It's still the same old crap. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, you might be right. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, it's difficult to know because, I mean, of course, this is something else that, that that technology has allowed. You know, everybody can be a musician. Everybody can be a singer. Everybody can be a writer, a poet, um, a visual artist, whatever. Yeah. So actually... Possibly what's actually happening is true creativity is drowning in the sheer volume of everything that's out there. It's getting lost. I think that's uh, part of it because, yeah, the traditional gatekeepers, they're no longer there. And, uh, or mo- relevant, mo- yeah. Or mostly for better because, of course, yeah. everyone has a chance. But, yeah. of course, since literally everyone has a chance, it's very also very hard to get your well, stuff it, it kind of waters it down a little bit as well, isn't it? You know, Because if, if you give people a choice of a thousand books to read... And you ask 10,000 people, what book would you like to read? They're all going to choose, you know, so you've got 1,000 books. You've got, all right, let's say 1,000 people, 1,000 books, 1,000 people. The chances are that some of those books won't get read at all. Some books will get maybe a couple of hundred readers. Some books will get 50 each. And it'll be well spread out over that 1,000 titles. If you give 1,000 people only 10 books to read... All of those books are going to get read. Yeah, I mean they've done this, done research into like people and making choices. Mm. So uh, I mean it actually has been shown that having 
fewer choices makes you more satisfied because if yeah. you have too many choices then you will spend a lot of time agonizing or which is the right right choice yeah. and then then you will just inevitably be yeah. dissatisfied because you spend so much yeah. time on making the choice in the first place yeah. whereas if you only have a couple of choices then you already then it's sort of baked in that it's not necessarily going to be exactly what you want so you feel more satisfied after after making that yeah yeah, I, th- I think that's part part of the problem with the whole world at the moment. Actually, is th- there's just too much of everything. This is the problem with Netflix. If you try to yeah. figure out what to watch, and uh, like there's just, yeah. there's just too much stuff, and you have yeah. no no idea where to start, and you have only so much time at your disposal. Disposal. Well, so. that's the thing. Yeah, you, you know, you you've, you've got so much time to allocate, for example, to watch a film or to watch a documentary or a television series, and you therefore want it to be something worth that time yeah yes and then yeah. you spend half an hour trying to figure out what to watch yeah. and then like well and i suppose yeah. it's it's the same thing with our podcast you know how do people find us um how did you find us you people who are listening to us um i was standing uh, on the street handing out flyers to people uh no but yeah maybe we, we, we have to of course you tell your friends you tell your family <laughs> yeah. everybody you know you hope that they tell a few people and so it goes um this, pre- I, this presupposes that our podcast has no listeners but Oh yeah, of course it does. We're not just talking to the airwaves. <laughs> Hopefully not. Anyway, yeah. Press those like buttons, people. Yes. Let us know that you're out there. Yeah. We're accepting your calls now. Absolutely. No, 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 no calls. No. <laughs> just hit the like button. Yeah, like they do on YouTube. Just shoot an email if you absolutely have to communicate. <laughs> yeah. If you think about, you know, people say, oh, "Where does your creativity come from? How do you get your ideas?" Well, of course, you get it from your experiences and things you've seen, what you've read, um, what you've felt. All right, okay, perhaps machines can't feel, but um, they can certainly have far greater experience in terms of listening and reading. Um, you know, if, if, if you can read 2,000 books in a lifetime, AI can read 2 million books. So imagine being able to draw on all the information that you have read from two million books as opposed to a couple of thousand. Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm. Pondering You're looking this. skeptical. Yeah, no, I'm pondering this very thing because, well, I mean, not to go too metaphysical on this, but what does it mean to be creative in the first place? So, I mean, I would argue that AI, it simply recognizes patterns and fills in the blanks based on those patterns. So, sure, if that's if we say that that's how creativity Cre- works, that we creativity is a process. Um, and and it's a process that you work through in order to create something original, new, different, whatever. And there is no reason why an AI algorithm cannot work through exactly the same process that an artist does in order to come up with something new, original. It is simply understanding what the process is that you need to go through in order to create something yeah no i mean to that extent i do agree in fact actually because i mean it's not necessarily logical and of course you know if if all ai is based on pure logic and and nothing else then i would agree with you that the ai um will never be able to be truly creative in the human sense well well yes i think that's the that, that that's the what i'm trying to Articulate if not very creatively. No, exactly that. So, so that's why I'm arguing that uh, I agree with you. If we 
if we were to design like an yeah. AI writer and then yeah. they're, they're sort of uh, putting into, well, if we see it in the finding patterns and then breaking the patterns, bre- mm. breaking the rules. I mean, I actually created this, uh, this uh, algorithm that uh, generates text in the style of the 19th century uh, Swedish language author Zacharias uh, Topelius. So basically what I did is I took, well, the books that he had written and then and then trained this model on those and then it then starts outputting text in a similar style as, as Topelius. Brilliant. Yeah. So well, there you go. That's a simple example of how it can be done. Yeah. So yeah. you can actually you can actually bring dead authors back to life in yeah. a way. Yeah, indeed. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, no, that, no. That, that takes us into another area as well, doesn't it? Oh, look at this. The, the, the lost Charles Dickens manuscript. How much would you like to give me for that? Yeah, I- indeed. So I'm not sure how that ties into creativity necessarily, but it, of course, raises an interesting question. Who is the actual author of the text that has been written? Mm. Because I didn't write it. No. Zacharias Topelius didn't write it. He provided me the words, but... Uh, so yeah, I, well, I suppose, I suppose in, indirectly you might argue that you wrote it because you wrote the algorithm that wrote it. So, or maybe it was a joint effort. Possibly. Yeah. Uh, uh, Storm of Stachopelius. It was, it was, it was, it was a <laughs> co-production. It, it, it's, yeah, I was going to say it's a co-production between the three of you. It wouldn't have been possible without his original writings. No, indeed. It wouldn't have been possible without your skills to create an algorithm that could basically mimic what he wrote. So therefore, it's you, the algorithm, and him. Yeah, collaboration yeah. between man and Absolutely. machine. Absolutely, yeah. That's a very good example. Yeah. So of course we were we were talking about creativity and uh, and AI creating mm. things that are unexpected. So of course, possibly let's say blending two different authors. Yeah. That that sort of creating new works through fusion in a way. Hmm. So we have AI at the moment. What about if we suddenly have organic AI so that, that, that it, it's, it's almost a hybrid, a semi-living thing that is capable of independent thought? We are starting to get into yeah, a, a yeah, brain in a jar yeah, territory. But, but, yeah, but, but, yeah, but why not? I mean... I, I think we're... Looking at another fifty year ahead before we're there any maybe AIs but, with but, yeah, yeah. oh absolutely I mean it's not going to happen tomorrow possibly not even in our lifetime but I do believe one day it will yes I believe it I believe that one day somehow they will be able to tap into the human brain and somehow create a hybrid model a superhuman almost capable of infinite thought and decision making it's quite a scary thought i know but you know yeah but i, I don't think we we have to worry about that, that particular thought no, I, think no, it's quite but I mean i think yeah. it's interesting to talk about yeah, it. No, i mean you course, know yeah. of course it's, it's it's the realms of science fiction but a lot of people actually are fascinated by science fiction and actually science fiction often turns into science fact yeah no absolutely there's a wonderful um um picture of um it's from Star Trek, and it, it's actually when they had this guy, Captain Picard, and there is a picture of Patrick Stewart holding a device in his hand in an episode of Star Trek which looks identical to a modern tablet. 
and and this was many years before Steve Jobs stood up on stage with the iPad. So it was a science fiction device. And maybe, I don't know, was it 10, 15 years later? Yeah. It was reality. Although it should be said that when Steve Jobs stood on that stage with that uh, tablet, uh, nothing particularly revolutionary about the tablet. It's been around since the early 90s, which actually comes pretty close to when that Star Trek episode would have aired in the right, late okay. yeah. 80s. Yeah. Yeah, but of course you're a Finn, you know, and of course you you, you don't like Apple because it destroyed Nokia. So, of course, you have to say something like that. So, <laughs> no, I mean absolutely nothing against Apple, but I think I think when people think of, well, for example, the iPhone and the mm. tablet as very revolutionary, and yes, they were, but not in a sort of like a technological breakthrough sense, but rather in the value it brought to the people. Mm. So, I mean, iPhone, I mean the smartphone concept. I mean, yeah, we know here in Finland we've had those for years before before the iPhone and likewise with the tablet they have been around for since the early 90s really so mm-hmm. so the the innovation there wasn't necessarily necessarily that the, the, these devices exist but rather they like the value it brings to the user the whole ecosystem around it so for example it's it's easy to develop applications mm-hmm. for us there are plenty of applications and so forth and uh, so I think the the innovation there wasn't really in the technical sense I think it was more around the sort of like let's call it value innovation I think I think it was also the fact that Apple appealed to emotions. It appealed to emotional exactly intelligence. It, yeah. You know, Apple actually made computers sexy in a way. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. that's what happened when when Steve Jobs returned to to Apple with and they yeah. created the iMac. Absolutely. Yeah. No, indeed. Yeah. I mean, it's as much about the brand and the yeah. emotions that it brings. Oh, as, absolutely. As yeah. Because yeah. I mean, basically, at the end of the day, we are emotional creatures. Yeah. Yeah. We use logic quite simply to justify our emotional decision making yeah sense making as it's called Absolutely, indeed. Yeah. yeah yeah definitely and also to the point about uh, ai and using ai to create things i mean uh, of course it's all about the it's all about the data so if you have yeah. data on what type of music sells and if i can mm. break it down to a very very granular level then surely you can design or rather automatically create the, the perfect piece of music perfect piece in the sense of uh, maximizing the likelihood of it soaring to the top of the charts yeah, yeah well i think i'm I, I think they probably have already actually i think they do actually yeah, already. i think they do yeah i mean we, we can talk about this forever i mean it's an absolutely fascinating subject yeah um and i think we probably will come back to it yeah um, i think we have about uh, 50 episodes worth of stuff yeah, oh, absolutely <laughs> yeah no, and, and i've got i think for now um we'll we'll, we'll leave it with what we've got um, but we'll certainly come back to it at a later stage yeah indeed 